0: This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. Samuel, one of the things that, I love about our podcast is that we get to talk to couples and we get to hear their stories. Uh, Another facet that I really love about our podcast is we talk to professional counselors Mm. and there's just so much wealth of information and both you and I know a lot of counselors in our community Yeah, we sure do. And they all bring different gifts and skills and experiences to, uh, to what they do. Uh, Today, we are going to interview one of my favorite counselors and his name's Matt DeHogue. I've known Matt for quite a few years. I had the privilege of supervising him for the entirety. And when you do that, you really get to know a person. And I think Matt and I did supervision for about four years and you yeah, got to meet I did. Matt I to in that you. amazing group that we were, exactly. were in.
1: There's a lot of great counselors in that group. Definitely. And and one thing about Matt that I I remember uh, both recently and back then, he's an avid football fan. He's next <laughs> near to dear to my heart. So we rock for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So today we um had the privilege we we have the privilege of uh, having a conversation with them, learning about his family and his interests and his practice, and uh, we're going to talk about two really important topics as it relates to marriage. And, uh, one is premarital counseling, uh, which I'm, I know all of us are really passionate about. And then the other is, uh, trauma.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I can't wait to hear those two uh, topics that he shares and, uh, his, yeah. uh, prolific content and, uh, Matt, man, tell the people a little bit about yourself, your family, some of your interests, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great to be here with y'all. Um, yeah, I'm married to Molly, who's also a therapist, so our joke is uh, either our kids are going to be awesome or really <laughs> messed up. <laughs> um, no, we have three amazing uh, daughters, uh, Kobe, Lucy, and Mina, seven, five, and three. Wow. Um, man, we as a family love to be outside, love... All of them are riding bikes this summer, so we're we're a bike riding family. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Uh, Do counseling and young life. So I help support and supervise young life in greater Grand Rapids, which is really Kent County, which is an organization that introduces adolescents to Christ and help them grow in their faith. That's like uh, 13 to 25 Amazing. Um, and I've been doing that for almost 20 years. Wow, man. So you don't
1: even look near 20, I, man. I don't know what it is. I, uh,
2: God has been good to you. I know, man. I've been doing this ministry since I was 10. No,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's amazing, man. How did you get
2: started in that, Matt? I never heard that yeah, story. Yeah, great question. Yeah, so Young Life uh, impacted me in high school in North mm. Carolina. Growing up in North Carolina and Greensboro, and um, I had a Young Life leader that, Came to my soccer games that showed up before school. Um, his name was Bill, and I was just amazed by the way he'd show up and mm. say, Man, who's this guy? And so my friends were like, Well, he's a young life leader. Mm. And then, um, yeah, I started getting to know Bill and started hearing about Jesus. My, I come from a family of faith, but I think for the first time, I understood the gospel uh, mm. in a way that was bill like he modeled the way jesus pursues us and and pursuing me so um and then went to calvin college at the time and was a volunteer and then went on staff in forest hills and have been doing it since wow that's
0: awesome that's amazing man it's amazing so you are into mountain biking i like to mountain bike yes and so my big question is do the girls like to mountain bike Um, have they they gotten into that yet? Yeah. They are prospective
2: mountain bikers. Uh, they don't know it yet, but (laughs) (laughs) they will be doing some mountain biking. Um, they're interested in it. Like when I go on long rides right now, I'm training for, um, a 50 mile race in Marquette and, um, I did 57 miles with some buddies a couple of days ago and they're like, daddy, you were gone for so long. Can I join you the next time? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Come come on. Come on with me. Um, so they're they're interested in it and I I think that's something in our family's future that we'd love to do together. Sure.
0: So uh, I have a saying that if you're a parent, get your kids involved in your good addictions. Yes. Uh, so uh mine was golf and so, you know, just as your girls are gonna be mountain biking all the time, me, just I am like work golfing all the time when they were kids
2: oh yeah yeah that's that's what I hope I hope they do that Um, both Molly and I played soccer growing up I've been coaching them in that as well so yeah they they're kind of choosing their own adventure they're really into dance and gymnastics right now too so we support that yeah,
1: I yeah. want to be a part of this conversation. Yeah. Get a part, you know. My kids too. Guess what? My good addiction is that she does. Yeah, I want to hear is your sound? good addiction. She prays. She. Prays. Whoa, <laughs> that's a good addiction. That sounded a little self righteous, but <laughs> it did. It did. Oh, that's great. Oh, Matt, Matt, you also have a private practice, man. Uh, talk, yeah, talk a little bit about. Yeah, that.
2: absolutely. Um, so I've been doing private practice for about eight years, and. uh, you know, mostly with men and couples. So, um, you know, I, I see adolescents. Um, I see men that are going through transitions, anxiety, depression. I I work with couples doing premarital and also some marriage counseling, and um, I enjoy it. It's kind of like right alongside young life, uh, and I I like going deep and walking with people.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: We had an interesting conversation when we had coffee before we did this podcast a couple weeks ago, and uh, the question was, how did you know you wanted to become a counselor? Mm. But the interesting thing about all three of us, Mm. and I want you to share about it a little bit, uh, we all all at one point wanted to be school teachers. (laughs) Yeah. And I did when I graduated from college, I was going to go get a master's in teaching, and... Did one class and was like, mm, I don't think I want to do this anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys. Yeah, I was man, I wanted to be a physical education, sociology, or Spanish teacher. Wow. Middle school. Um and I wanted to do middle school. It's Amazing. a great age. Oh uh, it man. Is. Yeah. So uh and then I did student teaching and enjoyed it. Uh, but I really felt like, man, young life is, I can still be with students, uh, but be in a way that I'm alongside, uh, that I don't know if I would be able to do as a teacher. I think some teachers can, but I was like, man, I think this is a better fit for me.
0: Very cool. Samuel, yeah. what was your story? Yeah, um, had a
1: great AP high history teacher in high school that motivated me to be like, oh, I can do AP history, I can do history, and I can be a coach. Went to mm. freshman year. Um, history got hard. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Uh, maybe I'll try again. Went to accounting, then went to business, <laughs> and so longer journey. Yeah, a little bit longer journey. Changed uh, the majors three times. Let's just say the history teacher did me a, a good one, yes. you know, and in college, and just made me aware that I shouldn't teach at all. Um, so that's what I learned in my in my story. But that's enough about me. So uh, Kelly, man, we've got a, a great podcast planned for our listeners. Um, and I think we want to start off with a little bit about just, Matt, your passion with couples in um, your premarital stages of counseling.
0: Yeah. So, Matt, I love working with couples who are about to get married. Uh, they are deeply in love. They... Uh, <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. Uh, and totally. to have that kind of front seat to to really have those conversations is is really just an amazing experience as a counselor. Tell me first, what, what do you love about, because you've done a lot of premarital mm-hmm. counseling, you've married couples, like what do you love about that? Yeah, um, I, I love the launch. I
2: think uh, when I think about Marriage, I think, man, if um, right away you can help equip couples with the tools they're going to need mm-hmm. and the conversations and almost help them develop cadence with their marriage and have info of like what's normal, because a lot of marriage trouble can be around false expectations. They, they just don't know what's normal. And so they fight or have conflict and they think, oh, man, this is really bad. And the reality all couples have conflict, and it's healthy actually to have that and um so so, I think about the launch, and I think, man, how cool is it to be involved in couples' lives during the launch of like I think John Gottman says like this fifty year conversation
0: mm, mm, that mm-hmm. they're
2: going to have, mm-hmm. and so, like any conversation, it's good to um, have information and have develop healthy patterns
0: there's about So when I'm sitting with a couple, there's about, well, there's more than this, but there's like key 10 topics that I want to try to get through that I think are really essential. So uh, one of them would be talking about love as a willed action and not a feeling. Another is the importance of affair-proofing your marriage. What might be one that you like, okay, I'm definitely gonna hit on this topic and we're gonna and I'm gonna explore this topic at a deep level with this couple,
2: yeah, yeah, you know, I think uh two really they're connected, but two come to mind, one is uh communication um just ways cadences throughout marriage to have communication, you know i I talk about, I don't know who I heard this from, but I think this is brilliant to think about it daily. Are you having that 10 minute conversation with your spouse, checking in? Hey, how are you doing? Um, What do you need for me? Uh, How'd your day go? Um, And then are you having that every month? Are you having that night where you sit down and you say, okay, how'd that month go? Like, how are you feeling about those patterns that we were in this month? How are you feeling about finances? You know, money's uh, uh, tied to communication as well. Um, okay, let's kind of debrief these last four weeks and then have time to look to the next four weeks and say, okay, what's, what do we need to change? What do we need to start, stop, continue to make sure that we're learning along the way that we're just not um, doing things over and over again that are like, that's not working But we keep keep doing it, you know? Uh, And then I think, man, it's good for couples probably every three months to have a weekend together and then every year to say, hey, are you spending like four or five days together? Which is harder with kids, but is there a a year reflection and to talk about hopes and dreams and expectations going into the new year?
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. It's really good. You know, I love, Matt, how you're, you're hinting at this thing of, I think you said it, you said it well, seasonal rhythms. Yeah. Right. That rhythms were the, uh, you find yourself going in and out of seasons, in and out of rhythms and ruts in the sense of your relationship. And I love how you bring that, that space in. You also, um, during our time together, and something I really want you to talk about is this area of, you know, when you're navigating spiritual leadership mm. as a couple, you know, you have various, uh, couples come from, different religious denominational backgrounds, uh, familial backgrounds where they saw dad or mom or both, right? Um, uh, personifying what it looks like to be uh, church going, uh, reading the Bible prayer, all these things that we say are constituting spiritual leadership. Just talk a little bit about how couples can begin to navigate that a little bit.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that goes with expectations. I think, you know, couples come in with, I think, expectations of maybe a way it should work. Mm. Like whether they've seen it with their parents or they've read a book on it or they've maybe had friends that say, this is how we do it. Um, I really encourage couples to say, what it, what's the way that you're going to do it? Uh, and because there can be a lot of guilt and shame around not doing it right. Mm. And um, but I, I, you know, I think about how can you explore with each other what rhythms feel right uh, in terms of communicating with each other and and communicating with how you feel like God's work in your life and how God's work in your family. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, I was on a Young Life uh, retreat this May and was doing spiritual direction with an Anglican priest, which was pretty cool. But we were talking about marriage, and he just said, you know what? What I do with my wife is I just read a devotional and have a cup of coffee and say, what did you think? Mm. And we try to do that daily. Sometimes it doesn't happen, um, but that's our goal. And we just lead with, um, what did you think? And he says, he ends with this this phrase, which I love. He says, um, fill in the blank, he says, here I am, blank. And you're basically communicating with God. Here I am, tired. Mm. Here I am, um, wanting more of you. Here I am, frustrated. You know, and kind of tapping into emotions. And I think uh, just having presence with each other and with God, and and not feeling like you have to heap a lot of expectations on, but you do f- you do have to find the right pattern. Um, and so even Molly and I, we we do a devotional. Called seeking God's face. It's liturgical. It follows the traditional church calendar. Sure, and it has a scripture um, of reflection. It has a guided prayer, and it has a benediction. Mm. And we read it individually, and um, we talk about it. And uh, not all the time, but you know, there's there's that cadence that we like. That we like our individual time. We also like to come together.
1: Mm. So you're telling me that this aspect of what this looks like in the home can look different from home to home there's no set model yeah there's no set model I
2: think the the main thing is that um, you know I think there can be this binary thing in Christianity between truth and grace mm-hmm. and so we're always kind of picking between truth and grace and uh, it, it, with ourselves and with others but I think really the main thing is how do we follow Jesus together mm-hmm Right, because Jesus is truth. That truth is a person, <laughs> right? And so that is that is the, the conversation I think for couples, and an invite a man in if they're if they're believers to say how do, how do you follow Jesus together? What does that look like?
0: That's good. So, Matt, uh, one of the things that you and I, another aspect of uh, premarital counseling that you use, I use it, is the aspect of personality and that we all have different personalities, and you um, know a lot about the DISC, and you know a lot, a lot about the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you use both of those tools to, in, when you're working with couples?
2: Yeah, we're you know, couples come in and they say, man, we're really different, and I say, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the times that works the best, you know. Um, I think the stat is 95% of couples that are married are Um, almost complete opposites in the way they're wired. And so uh, seeing that as we're not different and that means bad, it means you're different and actually complementary. And how can you, how can we help them with language and primarily the disc and Enneagram help you with language to say our gifts come together for us to be actually a great team. Mm. And, um, you know, when we make marriage vows and we come into covenant with God and each other, that, that, that is what you're making. You're saying is saying we are, we are one team. Um, and so I think with disc, it is, you know, if anyone is not familiar with disc, it's, um, it's a model that puts people personality wise on the spectrum between, are you more task oriented or people oriented? Um, and are you more extroverted or more introverted? Right. Um, and so there, usually I see couples, there's one that, uh, is more task oriented (laughs) and one that's more people oriented and, um, that's a great balance. Right. And so understanding, Hey, this through this model, they have new language, uh, through Enneagram, you know, there's a lot of couples, light bulbs go on when they're like, oh man, um, I realize the things that I love actually in my spouse are also the things that drive me crazy.
0: <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so true.
2: And so I think the, it, the Enneagram really highlights that because there's, uh, it, it breaks down, okay, in health, this is how you're acting, in health, this is how your spouse is acting, um, and this is what you look like when you're not healthy. And this is potential conflicts of these different numbers, one through nine. Uh, and so I, I think just knowing more common language and helping people understand, oh, yeah, that's, that's how I'm wired. And I'm actually learning more about myself and my soon-to-be spouse and how we can be this great team and make impact in this world.
0: Can you think of a couple that you've worked with in the last couple of months that you could flush that out, yeah, how
2: that, that works. Absolutely, or so, maybe use you, you and Molly or something, yeah, yeah. So, I, I'm working with a couple, um, w- and this is Enneagram language. One is a one on the Enneagram, which is a reformer, um, a perfectionist, and they are uh, at their best, they are grounded, solid, um, they have amazing decision making, they are amazing integrity. Um, when it's part of that weakness though, is they can see binary, they can see like things are really good or really bad. There's not much in between, there's not, they're not very comfortable all the time with gray. And then their soon to be spouse is a seven, which is an enthusiast, and uh, they love the gray, they love the options, they are thinking about the next party, they are not, uh, they're not grounded. Um, and they all, they're trying to avoid pain, um, through pleasure. Like they, they love being out with people. They love variety. And so this couple, the thing that the one loves about the seven is that it it actually allows them to have fun and allows them to be drawn into this like social experience and think about the options of life and all this the thing that drives them crazy is that everything changes all the time. The plan changes and one's like a good plan and like to stick to a plan. Um, And so the seven uh, loves the groundedness of the one, like loves that she is like solid and um, steady and, uh, and has good decision-making because they are always seeing options and sometimes it's hard for them to make decisions but they are frustrated by the one because the one is critical and the one sees their uh, options and kind of flying by the seat of their pants. And they're like, what are you doing? I can't keep up with you, you know, but um, the way they've actually been able to come together and say, you know what, how can I have grace and how can I look at my soon to be spouse and say, They actually have something that um, is so good for me and they have, and us together, we can have both. We can be grounded and we can also have fun. And it just takes us understanding the patterns um, and staying away from blame, criticism, stonewalling, and contempt. Samuel, the the four horsemen.
0: Matt was describing (laughs) my marriage. I just, I just kept on listening to all these Uh, phrases and words. He would, Oh, Julie's a one. I'm a seven. Yes. And, uh, so with a couple who you're maybe, for example, a couple doesn't know about these. Often when I talk about the disc, they know about this stuff, but they don't know it. They know what I'm, paper but they don't know it maybe internally how do they respond to you when you bring up like hey you're like uh, have uh, trouble navigating gray and you need to be more grounded and all those different
2: yeah I mean I think for every couple there's a um, there's an awareness that they are coming into so sometimes awareness is hard because there's one sometimes you're spouse or soon to be spouse has some awareness that you don't. And so um, I think there's some times where they're like, no, I'm not really like that. And they're, (laughs) and the other person's like, yeah, you kind of are. And uh, so I think, you know, most couples the cool thing about premarital counseling is that um, they are like open. And so they're pretty receptive. I think sometimes in marriage when patterns are a little bit more established, um, new awareness or new language sometimes can be harder to hear. Uh, but the, the couple I use the one in seven, they felt like the Enneagram has unlocked a new way to communicate, and understand each other. Mm. Um, and so that's been, that's been pretty cool.
0: I, you really hit on something that I think is vital. Premarital counseling is so important mm. because it, it's being proactive and it's helping you to not get stuck in negative patterns in your marriage and to understand your spouse. And working one-on-one with a counselor can be just so valuable to dig out those specific um, areas in your life that you need to really look at versus maybe, you know, there's a class or something like that. That's just going to give you an overview of marriage mm-hmm. versus that kind of like personalized Uh, assessment. Uh, One final question about this. Uh, Family heritage is really important to navigate and to talk about and figure out. Our families bring us really good stuff and sometimes some negative stuff. Mm -hmm. Like what do you do when you're navigating the topic of family heritage and marriage moving forward?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, there is some awareness I think every couple has around what they're bringing in from their family and what they're bringing in individually. Um, I think, uh, but I would say there's also some blind spots that we all have of what we're bringing in. So um, I think it's, it's important to think about what, again, expectations, what am I expecting that uh, maybe is unsaid, but it's because I've internalized it from the way my family system has done it. So for example, you know, if it's a holiday and it's like, oh yeah, we always invite everybody over and have a crazy party. And it's like, um, you know, your soon to be spouse might be like, oh no, we, we would just keep it at just our family and really go deeper. And Um, there's, there can be a clash if you're not aware of what's right. And, you know, what I encourage couples is is to say, I want you to write before your wedding day. I want you to write a letter to your parents and say, Hey, this is all of the things I want to take into marriage that I learned from you and the family. And it's an amazing gift to parents. I also, encourage couples each individually to write a note to each other um in a collective note a note they do they almost a statement of here's here's what we're bringing in uh and here's what we're saying we're going to leave this with our our family of origin and not and not bring this into our new family um and so because it yeah it is with trauma uh, especially in family systems, sometimes you can get, you also can get stuck in ways that you've been acting and you don't know it, and so it's really good to, like you said with a counselor, to start to unpack that and explore that and say what are things that I'm not aware of, um, and patterns I'm not aware of that I keep doing because of maybe some trauma or some family history.
0: What might be some of those things that you would a couple maybe would say? Yeah, we're not going to bring that into this new family that we're going to start by being, getting married? Yeah. Um,
2: I think sometimes it is, uh, it can be the roles that they played Mm -hmm. and so roles that they've seen. Um, I, I, was working with one couple last year where, you know, this, this is not necessarily trauma, but the, um, the soon-to-be husband was saying, "Oh, I, I always just thought you were going to stay at home because that's what my mom did, and my dad always worked, and I really never saw him." And um, and it uncovered things that she said. Actually, I want to work. I want to work alongside having kids. Um, and it uncovered for him kind of like a workaholism that he. Well, and this is attached to trauma that he saw his dad work 80 to a hundred hours a week to provide. And he was like, Oh man, I'm kind of on that trajectory. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I I didn't even realize it, but I just had this picture of that's what it means to be a husband is to work, work, work. And that the woman just kind of takes care of the kids and is at home. But collectively they said, you know, that's for us. That's not our, that's not what our ideal is. And so they had to name it and uncover it and say, you know, actually, how can we both have vocations? How can we both be involved in our kids' lives um, and make a commitment to that even before we get into marriage that we, we have that vision and we're not going to let what we saw dominate that?
1: That's good, man. That's good. Uh, I, I, I want to go back to that. You started talking a little bit about trauma a little bit and and. Right now in society, it's, it's quite a buzzword. Like everybody's talking about, there's something traumatic that's happened, but then in that same case, there's a lot of people still don't understand the mm-hmm. the expression or the idea of that. And sometimes as therapists, we have to become personal and yeah. being able to play, well, Hey, this is an experience I had. Yeah. You know, and, and can you like maybe detail that out? Just find it out. Maybe even using your own personal history a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Like that's that. good,
2: Sam. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you can't see this, but I, I'm bald now, but I used to be a redhead <laughs> and, um, middle school was hard. I had, uh, I, I was five ten in sixth grade. I had braces. I was a redhead. And I remember walking on the bus with my best friend at the time, Chris, and, um, there were some other guys on the bus and, uh, I turned to Chris and these other kids were kind of making fun of me. And I said, Chris, but you're my friend, Right. And Chris says, I don't know.
1: Oh,
2: well, and <laughs> those, were, those were like <sighs> piercing words to a sixth, sixth grade mat. Um, but what it really did was set me on this trajectory of people pleasing mm. because I didn't want to be alone. And, I, um, and so, you know, that worked well. For middle school and high school in some ways, like, man, I had a lot of friends. Um, I was just had a lot of fun. But it stopped working uh, in college and in relationships when I had to prioritize. Mm. And so um, even in my marriage, there's times where now I have to really check that of saying, how do I... Make sure that my family, and my wife, are top priorities. And even though I have a big heart for people, um, I have to make sure go through that lens of: Is this people pleasing? Is this is this middle school mat showing up? Yeah. And so, yeah, trauma, and it can be even micro traumas where sometimes trauma we think about this big event that happened, exactly. Um, but it can be a lot of small events that shapes our brain in a way of thinking that worked at one time but stopped working Mm. and we continue to go back to that pattern even though it doesn't work for us anymore
1: Mm. that's so good so like incorporating if we go all the way back to the beginning this aspect of jesus in your marriage like jesus in your pre-marriage days but then jesus effectively efficiently a part of your day-to-day lives talk about that how do couples integrate then now this relationship with Jesus as a part of their traumas as a part mm. of their experience in marriage of trying to cohesively collectively get together
2: yeah that's a that's a good question
1: um you know i think with
2: trauma it is making sure that with spirituality we're also paying paying attention to soul work and counseling work and um, you know, the the way that people journey together, I think more and more in Christianity we're saying we're seeing it as more holistic. We're seeing it as um yeah, absolutely. How do we grow together in Jesus, but also what are other resources that can help us along the way? Um marriage counseling used to be something in Christian world where it was like something really bad has to happen right. for you to go to marriage counseling. And I'm glad it's being normalized a little bit more to say no. How how can marriage counseling and helping us uncover some of our baggage, our trauma, help us have better spiritual intimacy mm-hmm. and connectedness? Um, because again, we're it's like a book bag that's weighing us down, and we don't know it, mm-hmm. right? And we're trying to follow Jesus and walk towards Jesus, but we're like, why why can't I walk faster and stay? It's like because you got a bunch of stuff in your backpack you've never dealt with.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so good, man. And and so like what I when I think about what you just said, I think about that couple who has been attending church, um, has been you know in some way shape or form part of a small group, um, living their life right. Mm-hmm. But then reality hits, and someone's not happy. Someone has had an yeah. experience that has shaped their life, that in some way shape or form they haven't told their spouse about, mm. or there's something that they're working through. And in that frame, it's almost like you're saying, hey, don't be afraid to go to counseling Mm -hmm. to talk about that uncontrollable thing, the thing that you don't want to share. But in that space, also allow your community to be people who love God, who can encourage you back into Christ, encourage your relationship back into Christ. So that way there's that holistic model of Jesus there's some therapy, you know, in our, in our faith, there's football, you know, and there's community to talk about those things that we're navigating, um, from what I hear you saying.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've had in Molly and I's story, we've had seven couples. We all go to different churches but mm-hmm. are been connected through young life in some way. Um, and for six years we've had dinner once a month and at that dinner, we, ha- we have the host asks a question and the couples go around and they share. And it's a deeper question. Um, and we are kind of embedded in our, each other's lives. We just went camping together. Um, but I think absolutely, Sam, this to do this journey well as a couple, it's saying, okay, resources. How If things aren't going well, could we go to counseling? If things aren't going well, who are those two or three couples that we could say, hey, would you guys walk with us in this? Um. Ab- absolutely, more than ever, we can't do it alone.
1: That's so good, man. And and I'm going to do just a quick plug here. If you're a, a parent of a young couple that's getting ready to get married or you're a couple who is in that premarital stage and you're thinking about your history, like one thing that Ada does really well is uh, there's a thing called Marriage Start. And literally, you start in a community of several other couples who are all trying to get to this goal of marriage. Mm-hmm. And in that frame, there's someone that sits with you, talks about all these topics that Matt is, is, is sharing. Um, and also there's an encouragement to make sure you get some counseling with it. And in that space, once you get married, your journey isn't done. You can continually have a, a community of people who are on this same path as you. And, and I love that Matt is bringing that up. And so we do do that at Ada Bible Church. Kelly, as we start to wrap up this podcast, um, what are some of the other things that you feel are really important in the mix of this conversation of premarriage and then trauma?
0: Yeah, uh, Matt, I have one other question for you. Um, trauma in marriage is a, a massive topic, and it's so important that couples navigate those issues. But in a way, for some people, they might they don't have a language for it. They don't even know what to call it. For people who are dealing with we'll call significant trauma, uh, how do you help them navigate through that? Maybe it is sexual abuse or uh, something else.
2: Yeah. You know, trauma, I think every person's story is different. And it is... Um, when someone comes in and you see trauma and you and it's impacting their life, right? They're like, I'm something happened or something has been happening. And I'm, I'm not sure how to deal with this. A lot of times, uh, it's making sure one that they have the resources they need. Um, and so, I mean, for example, like when you're talking about like a sexual abuse situation, um, it's unpacking unpacking feelings around it. Sometimes, especially with sexual abuse or sexual trauma, they've never allowed themselves, because of the pain, um, to f- like to feel it. And so, uh, some of it's just defining that reality of feeling. And actually, our brain works this way. This is more with intense sexual trauma, rape, things like that. Um, but our brain actually, some things that are so traumatic, it kind of shuts it off. So some people can feel like, oh, that was, I've never really even thought about it. It's kind of blurry. And so having an environment space where they can start to process a little bit of their trauma and bring it to light, um, about how they're feeling about it. And then, and then start to understand, okay, that happened now. How has that impacted me now? And what, um, Ultimately, you can get to a point where they say, okay, th- these are my goals. This is, there's, there's grief with trauma, working through the grieving process, a l- making sure they understand the grieving process. The grief looks very different about um, whoever is going through it. And there's steps, but it's not always linear, uh, but helping them through it and then helping them to a point of saying, okay, um, how, how can we restore this part of your life? and uh, restoration. And, and that, that can involve, you know, in someone that's a believer, um, forgiveness. It can involve grace. It can involve um, bringing others into it to walk with you in a season as you heal. Um, but what, with trauma especially, unless you're walking down a path of grieving, healing, um, and having someone that can walk with you, it's really, it's almost impossible to deal with yourself and because you can't see all of it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Matt, this has been an incredible podcast. Um, I, I I love how you've just integrated those two topics um, into our conversation. Man, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, on behalf yeah, of Kelly, myself, Rachel you, Matt. for Together um, and uh, listeners if you have gotten a chance to uh, hear this share it, share it with your friends share it with uh, a son, a daughter a family member because these a great topics for those individuals both who are getting married and those who are married um, and navigating some things in their back history and so um, for Kelly and myself this has been Together and we hope to you check out our podcast next time
0: Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform. Leave a comment and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.